Welcome to Untapped, a weekly podcast where you can learn, apply, and share how to go beyond your human potential to live your best possible life. Join me, Natalie Sisson, on my personal challenges and experiments, including training for triathlons, as well as my interviews with inspiring everyday people who've pushed through their own mental, physical, and entrepreneurial boundaries to reach their full potential. So welcome back to another episode of the Untapped Podcast, where we're all about tapping into your human potential. And I'm really excited to have my wonderful guest with me today, Andrew Leach, who is all about empowering conscious change. Now, I was fortunate enough to get to hear him speak at an entrepreneur's organization meetup recently, where he talked us through all about the fact that our mind is not just this wonderful brain up here, but also our heart and our gut. And that in itself is a really, really fascinating thing that we're going to discuss today. But also just about how do we remain present in a super busy digital world? How do we continue to remain present, enjoy the present moment, and be really, really focused on the now? So welcome, Andrew. It's lovely to have you here. Thank you, Natalie. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Now, what I think I really enjoyed about your talk is one, you just came in with this beautiful heart-centered approach to a room full of busy ambitious entrepreneurs and I think he did a really great job of presencing us leading us through a guided meditation and a very short brief one but even in that moment you could sense this collective ah, as people mm. breathed out and just settled mm. into it so I guess I'd love to start with how on earth did you get into this field of the area that you've become sort of an expert in and, and what led you to this path? Mm. Um, so I was a, a dancer for many years which many people find odd given my height of six foot five and I'm not exactly as felt as I used to be. <laughs> but I guess ballet that... Ballet dancer too, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I trained at the Australian Ballet School. And I guess what dancing taught me was how to be present. I did a particular form of dance called Adagio. So I had a partner that I was constantly throwing in the air and twisting inside out and I really needed to be present. So when we came back to Australia and stopped dancing, I was keen to work out how was I going to be able to be present because my natural nature isn't one of presence. I can drift off pretty easily. So I then uh, went on to study psychotherapy, studied for five years and then went into practice. And I guess I only lasted a short time in that space because what I saw in that setup is that a lot of people are looking to find out what's wrong with them. So people come in looking for a diagnosis of something. What I discovered was that most people, for most people, there's nothing really wrong. Uh, it's just that we're not really taught who we are. So I set about creating a business called Evolutionary Intelligence. And we bring together the latest science uh, that's out there, which is amazing. So, you know, there's so much that we now know about ourselves, but it isn't unfortunately on the front page of the paper or on the news. So I spend my time traveling around, working predominantly with businesses, small to medium-sized businesses, um, but also doing individual work, essentially helping people understand how they can tap into and access all of themselves, as opposed to just the brain, which we've been taught you know, for a long time is where the action's at. Um, yeah, but it, we're so much more than that. We are... Mm -hmm you know, brain, heart, gut. So there's so much wisdom that lies in our body. And I was also, I've also been very fortunate to meet not only an Indigenous elder here in Australia, but work with some Indigenous elders around the world. 
And, you know, it's, we're at this amazing point in time where science is saying to them, oh, guess what, you're right about what you thought about humans and how we function. So I really enjoy bringing in that work because they've had so long to work out how we function and who we are. So I guess the beauty of that work is they've been able to simplify it all over thousands of years. So we're at this, you know, really exciting point in time in our history where we understand more than ever of who we are. Mm. And that's what drives me, really empowering people to be who they really are as opposed to what we might have been taught in the past. Yeah, Mm. beautiful. What a beautiful mission to have. So first off, I'd love to know, I guess, why do you think we do listen to our elders? I mean, in the case of Aboriginals, they've had thousands of years experience in navigating the world of seeing things through a different perspective of tuning into their heart their gut everything and just really knowing how to be in rhythm with the world with nature with the environment and have this deep innate wisdom and yet mm. we seem to think it's woo woo or weird or you know they should go back out into the bush and just you know be out there we know what we're doing over here why do you think we often stare what is the truth in the face and just dismiss it Look, I think that's a great question. And if I had the answer to it, <laughs> the whole world might be in a different place. Look, I think, you know, essentially our, in our society, we've become very analytical, which has served us. But there's, I think, you know, if you look at the human experience, it's much more than looking at purely, I guess, you know, the facts. You know, I hear that often. Well, what are the facts? And each of us bring our own perspective to a fact. And so, you know, the, why aren't we listening? Um, look, I think we have a little bit of arrogance around our... <laughs> just a little bit, perhaps. Uh, and I guess we've seen, you know, a lot of these cultures as somehow savage or not... Uh, sure or intelligent enough or... Sure, yeah. sure. Uh, and I guess, you know, true. the one thing that's, that is true is that they managed to live on the earth for a long time mm. and in harmony with nature but also themselves. So, you know, I think there are so many lessons we can learn and I'm not certainly not saying that we all need to go back and, you know, live in that way but I think they have a greater understanding of how we fit into the bigger picture. Yeah. So, uh, by that I mean, you know, we're all on the same planet and I guess ultimately we all long for connection with each other in our personal lives or our business lives. And, you know, this is one of the messages I really try and help people understand. That's as a human what we are ultimately longing for. Mm-hmm. Yet what we seem to be really good at creating is disconnection. Um, it's, genius, so become, right? it's almost like we rebel against ourselves or we become our own worst enemy. Sure. Yeah, and, you know, that's why I love talking to, you know, business owners in this context because for a lot of business owners, that's exactly why they went into business, to connect with more people and to share their their product or their ideas or whatever. Yet when we get into that business setup, you know, there's often a whole different set of beliefs that drive that and it becomes less about connecting with people and more about bottom lines and, you know, profit and loss and all of those things, which are important. But ultimately, we want to connect uh, with people. Yeah, I'm going to draw on my slightly not naive 
memory of this, but there was a either a Harvard or a Stanford study where they followed a set of students for 75 years of their life. So they obviously each person who came into the university had to take over the job from the previous person, but they followed them from survey they did when they left on what's the most important thing to you? What do you want to be, et cetera. And so many of them, you might've heard of the study said, I want to be a celebrity or I want to be famous or they want it to be, you know, successful and powerful. And this was about 85% of people wanted that as a result. And then they tracked them throughout their entire life. And then they looked at all those results when they're in their seventies. Some had died, some had committed suicide, some had been divorced, you know, many had lived pretty stressful, tough lives. And the ones who were the most successful and happy had amazing relationships and it actually all came down to the relationships they had with their family with their friends and that throughout their entire life the fundamental underlying theme was this sense of connection which all humans love and need um, and quality relationships was what actually made them the happiest healthiest version of themselves yeah absolutely and you know that that comes through over and over again in the work that i do people are looking for a lot of external satisfaction or drivers yet you know those people who and and i guess it always comes down to this it's our quality of relationships we all want to be seen heard felt and understood yet in in many of the settings that we've created that's the last thing that we take uh, consideration of Mm. Um, so you know in meetings in businesses there's no real or in a lot of businesses there's no real connection it's, you know, straight down to business, off we go, let's talk about a whole lot of different things. And it leaves everyone feeling unfulfilled. Mm. Um, so, you know, I, I totally agree. You know, we all want good, solid relationships. And I guess it's, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? We're offered the opportunity now with all the different ways to connect with each other, be it social media, through, you know, we can, the fact that we're having this conversation. Yet, paradoxically, I guess people have never felt more disconnected um, even with all of these ways of connecting. So Mm -hmm. I I guess also that's because a lot of the ways that we are connected digitally online is surface level. It's very much a glimpse into somebody's perfect life, which isn't necessarily true. It's a lot Mm. of sharp interactions of clicking a button, um, of liking something of skipping through stuff versus taking it, you know, offline or online like this and having a decent conversation, remembering somebody, catching up with them in person, making time to meet up somewhere around the world together. And I think that's why I've always, even though my business has been predominantly online, I would make events like retreats and workshops and masterminds in person around the world because it was just so much more fulfilling to connect. And those connections, the people that I brought together still last today, which is what lights me up more than anything. Um, even though they've been over the space of two or three days and it might have been four or five years ago, those connections and friendships have lasted the test of time, which is a beautiful thing. And you can't just do that through a liking a post or leaving a comment. You bring up a great point there and I've um, experienced a very similar thing. One of the things I do is to lead retreats out in central Australia Mm. and you know, overwhelmingly there's, it's interesting because it's, it's out of range of any mobile coverage, which does scare a lot of people because we, <laughs> we go for four or five days, but overwhelmingly, you know, that first evening when we're all just sitting around a campfire and it doesn't matter at that point who, where you've come from, what you do, we're all just a bunch of people sitting around a campfire that all have, you know, the same fears that are normally, you know, inside of our own head. 
But I think when we're able to become vulnerable in that way and share what our fears are, we can then understand, well, we're all the same. Uh, And then we can move from that space of feeling disconnected and not the same into, well, what, you know, what, what would I like to create? Mm. Well, but it takes that initial level of connection and I guess away from all the other distractions. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. So I really enjoy, you know, creating that space, be it in a, in a workplace or in the, in the desert, Mm. because it reminds people that of what's important. Yeah. uh, And that is sharing our stories Mm. uh, of, you know, the things that we worry about. One of the exercises I run is, you know, asking people what are their limiting beliefs? And I can feel the energy in the room drop off a cliff because no one's no one wants to talk about that. We've all got our mask up of, you know, the Facebook mask or the, you know, everything's mm-hmm. fine, everything's okay. And then I get people to sit in a group and share those limiting beliefs. And then, you know, the energy in the room is electric after that because everyone understands, well, you know, we're all the same. We all have these Human. beliefs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all woke up with the same blah blah going on in our heads so you know once we can get past that we can feel comfortable and connected with each other and and share our dreams i guess mm. yeah it's mm. a beautiful thing so mm. you have a, a process that you you take people through what you call your five keys to evolutionary intelligence would yeah. you be willing to sort of run right you know obviously you can't go into the same depth you do in somewhere out in the middle of central sure. australia but talk through how you kind of came to those five key areas so, you know, a lot of the works, we pulled different bits and pieces, but a lot of it was from Dan Goleman. He was, you know, one of the pioneers of emotional intelligence. So we've based it sort of around his keys. And the first one is really self-awareness. So it's, it's helping people become more aware of firstly what's happening inside of them and, you know, how are they showing up. So, you know, with that, we look at people's ability to be present you know, that's all that we really have is the now. Mm. Yet we spend so much time worrying about what's going to happen or worrying about what's already happened. Up to 80% of our day is spent in that space. So, you know, I often describe presence is the greatest gift that we can give anyone. Uh, You know, our ability just to be present with someone else, listening, feeling them, uh, understanding them. So the first Key is self-awareness. Without that, we can't change anything. And I guess there's no there to get to with that. It's a never-ending process. You know, anyone who's embarked on personal development will, will understand that. Mm-hmm. There isn't a day we wake up thinking, oh, okay, my life's sorted out today and I'm aware of everything, <laughs> unfortunately. And um, isn't it also one of the easiest gifts to give? I mean, you just have to to stop and be fully present and listen and respond. I mean, it's, it shouldn't be that hard to do. And yet it really, it just sometimes it feels like it just to even get somebody's attention. Sure. Mm. You know, and we all know how it feels to be in the presence of someone who isn't present. You know, it, we feel like, we're, oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, why am I even having this go, conversation? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But conversely, we all know how it feels to be in the, someone who, in the presence of someone who is present. And that's, you know, a wonderful feeling for anyone. So the second step is self-regulation. So once I become aware of, you know, what's happening inside of me, it's then my choice and the understanding that I have a choice 
So self-regulation is not really self-control. It's really understanding that I always have a choice. How I show up in any moment is my choice. Now, many of our stories tell us that we don't have a choice, you know, because we're driven by, you know, a couple of really core beliefs that we're taught very early in our life. The first one being that we're not good enough. You know, whatever you're doing, it's still not good enough. Or there's not enough of something. The second one is that we're not worthy. So I call that the, the yeah, but. So all the things that we'd love to do, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. So we talk ourselves out of, you know, all the things that we'd love to do pretty much before we even have a crack at them. And the last one is that I'll be betrayed. So, you know, that someone is going to do me wrong. So what we tend to do in that setup is then, you know, build a wall, which we think is protecting us, but ultimately will create exactly what we believe, which will someone will do me wrong because we're not connected. Uh, so that's you know, a little bit about self-regulation, but I guess the key word there is choice. You know, we always have a choice. And I think when we can take our power back in that way, that creates a different life. You know, we can't control so many things that are happening around us. The one thing we can control is how we show up. 100%. Um, yep. And the choices that we make. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing is they're not choices that we're going to make in a week's time or, you know, in a month's time. They're choices now. I guess that's the tricky bit because, you know, we're all often led to believe, well, I'll do something when, I'm, when I feel better about myself or, you know, when something changes externally, then I'll be able to do it, mm-hmm. which is just giving away our power all the time. The third step. And also, can I just add to that is it's all about the choices that we make in the moment, but also to, I think, forgive ourselves if we make the wrong choice or we're not at our best. You know, there's those moments where you angrily yell at somebody in a car because they cut you off or are you a little bit more irritable than you wanted to be or you, you just kind of lose the plot and you go, oh, I wanted to act better in that situation. I feel like people are also too hard on themselves. Not, I'm not excusing the behavior, but you can't show up in the best possible way every single time, depending on the environment, the setting, your level of energy, your tiredness, et cetera. And I do think that we have one bad incident and then we, we assume that that's how we act all the time or we take that on as, oh, I'm not good enough once again, yep. or my behavior is not up to spec. And I think we need to give ourselves a little bit of slack and forgiveness and go the next time, you know, like every time is a chance for improvement. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the key practices that I always encourage people to do is reflective time, mm. uh, which, you know, at the end of the day, take a look back over the day because you're absolutely right. There will be times that we're triggered for whatever reason. But if we can set aside that time at the end of the day where we're in a calm, connected, grounded space and really look back and ask ourselves, you know, a couple of questions and look at it through the framework of, well, you know, become aware of what, you, what actually how you did show up. And I think the second step to that is to acknowledge it, not to pick a fight with yourself or, you know, beat yourself up about it. Just acknowledge, you know, this is how I showed up. And then ask yourself, the question, does it serve me? You know, ultimately, am I going to get what I need if I keep doing that? So it's different than, you know, is it good or bad? Because if we go into the good or bad, you know, we're back in fear and the whole story again. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, you know, the, the thing is to make a new choice. So interestingly, when we go through that process, what we're doing is, is you know, changing the way that our brain is wired and we're remembering that we have a choice. You know, anyone out there listening, if wanting to know, you know, how, how do you get to that point of becoming less triggered? 
it's by training your brain uh, to remember that you have a choice. And a reflective time is an awesome way of doing that at the end of the day. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like the time where you're learning your lessons. Because you're giving yourself space to reflect, you can almost step back and observe and then that's where you get to learn, okay, what can I do different next time? Or what was the circumstance that led me to this and is it, have I repeated it before? And I guess the more you practice that reflection, it's almost like at the end of a school day looking at the lessons and summarising them. Yeah. And, you know, you bring up a great point there, the observer self. So, you know, the ability for us to observe ourselves and recognise that, you know, it's almost like a part of us that's looking over and being curious. You know, I can feel this frustration, anger or anxiety coming up. I wonder why. You know, what story am I running here? Because I have another choice. Yeah. So the, the observer self is a really key piece. As we move through the five steps as well, the connection is the, is the third step. And I guess it's connection to self first, you know, connection to all of us. And by that, I mean our brain, heart and gut. You know, we're so much more. And the way that we connect with people is through our heart. That's the way we truly connect when we're, you know, living a life that's aligned with our values, what we would, you know, our, our higher self, if you want. And again, you know, as we spoke about before, that's really what we all long for is that level of connection, but it starts with us, you know, what's my truth. And mm-hmm. it's not that my truth is any better or worse than someone else's truth. It's just my truth. Yeah. And your truth is your truth, you know, by the, and both of those are driven by our beliefs and filters and, and story. Uh, the fourth step is purpose. So, you know, interestingly, there's a lot of stuff around now about purpose. I break it down into a very simple concept of, you know, what is it that you're good at and what qualities do you bring to that? And often, you know, it's a, it's a pretty confronting question for people when I ask them, what are you good at? They often stare off into the distance. Gee, I don't know. (laughs) If I was to ask them, what are the things that you're not good at? Most people could write, you know, a pretty extensive and comprehensive list. So it's an interesting starting point and conversation Mm. for people to actually think, well, what is it that I'm good at? And, you know, the interesting thing about purpose, the way that I explain it is, you know, the universe doesn't care whether we're on purpose or not. It just keeps going. (laughs) Um, the sun will come up the next day and it'll set the only way that we know is how we feel and there's three feelings that'll let us know ease flow and enthusiasm Mm. yeah there's no sign on the way home that says you know that was great you had a really good day you're on purpose or conversely you know no that wasn't really you know (laughs) you didn't do your best today it's all about how we feel Mm. And there's, you know, exactly the same on the other end of the scale. You know, if we're feeling angry, stuck and frustrated, it means we're not on purpose. Mm. So, again, tuning into our body, this is where the wisdom is, is in our body and this is where feelings will always let us know. And I guess the universe is always inviting us, wherever we are, to show up and offer our gift. And as I said, it doesn't care whether we do or don't. It's, it's really neutral about it. Um, but we know if we've shown up and offered our gift mm-hmm. because we feel alive and that, that in turn brings everyone else around us alive as well because people feed on that. Yeah. Everyone would have been in a situation where they're feeling someone who is on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's electric. 
Yeah. And we've also been in situations where we feel completely in flow, which is often when I find I've lost myself in time because I've been yeah. loving what I've been doing. And then of course we have more than enough examples of when we've been frustrated or angry or just feeling limited or restricted. Um, and obviously I just loved your analogy of there's no signs from the universe. And I, I just yeah. imagine being on a motorway and this big billboard going, <laughs> awesome work, Nat, you're on flow today. Um, and I'd be like, yeah, I know I am because I feel like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's but, interesting. But looking for those signs, you gotta, you got to feel it everywhere. Yeah, and, you know, the majority of people I work with feel like that feeling of flow is out of their control. Mm. Like it comes from some mysterious place and then it goes away to some mysterious place. So, you know, what the whole work that we do around purpose does is give people a context. So, you know, if they're aware enough, they can go, oh, hold on a minute, I'm not feeling in ease, flow and enthusiasm. How about I just go back and do what I'm good at and bring the qualities that I bring mm -hmm. because that will bring me back to that state of flight. Yeah. Uh, and then the last one is integration. So, you know, how do we integrate all of those things that we've just spoken about? It's easy to talk about it and, you know, theorise about it, but then how do we then do that? when there's all of this stuff happening around us. Um, so, you know, they're the, the, the five steps that we take people through. And, you know, I always stress to people that there, again, there is no there to get to, mm. you know, so yeah, you know, some people have, have asked me, so how long will it take? <laughs> <laughs> there's no there. It's a life, lifelong project. Oh, we are like, we're constantly evolving. And yeah. I also love that on, on your website, you know, you talk through, because this is a big thing, as you said, it's here's the theory and now let's put it into practice. But I really like that you state quite clearly the outcomes because I think a lot of people will sign up for things and do stuff and they really don't know what they're expecting. And in yeah. this case, it's about evolving as a human and becoming more conscious, um, yeah. tapping into your conscious intelligence. And I like how you put, you know, that they're hopefully going to be able to now communicate with more awareness and have authentic conversations or they're going to be able to recognize some of those unhelpful patterns that we just talked about and move past them or they're yeah. going to be able to actively listen which is such an important thing that so many people don't know how to do sometimes myself i am completely not being an active listener but i would say it's one of my strengths usually is to yeah. really hear people and then be able to feed that back to them yeah. um and well, just such that, a big, yeah it's such a huge thing you know in our personal lives or business life most of it is done through assumption or expectation. And, you know, if we're able to develop that level of really clear communication, you know, what is, what is it that I need? What is it that you need? And how can we support each other? Which mm -hmm. is a totally different conversation than a lot of us have. Uh, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's based around, well, you know, you know, you should know what I need because we've been working together for three years or, you know, we've been in a relationship for 10 years. You should know what I need. How, how do I know? <laughs> you know, we may not have ever had that conversation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're right. It is really important to break it down into well, what, what are the outcomes? And for me, it's around resilience, communication and purpose. Um, mm. You know, they're the three things that I always come back to. How do, how do people become more resilient, being able to be present instead of being dragged off into some kind of story that most of the time isn't really based on anything that's true. Yeah. Do you find that the more we are aware 
with ourselves, the more we can show up and be aware with others. Do you, do you feel that it has to start here or can you do it in both worlds? Can you do it internally and externally? Oh, look, I think it's both. I think, you know, in my experience, I, I'm lucky, I guess, because my job requires me to be present, mm-hmm. <laughs> listening to people. You know, I have a grounding practice that I do daily, which helps me remain present, I guess, to myself. I think it always, you know, I don't know that there's, it's one or the other. I think we learn lots of different ways. Sometimes it's easier for us to be present to someone else and then we can maybe translate that back to our own um, mm. existence. But I guess, I you know, because, sorry, I asked because the more that I've been doing a daily, almost daily meditation and I've really, for the first time, rocking this and, uh, and I feel just noticing within myself being more aware that I'm turning up with more awareness my daily life and uh and i I, but i do like your example there of sometimes you can't be present with yourself but you can tune into somebody that you love and care for and be totally there for them and sometimes from that example you're like hey am i actually doing this for myself right now am i giving myself space and time to connect so i like that it can be both ways for sure yeah and you know the bottom line is you know however we do it i think meditation mindfulness um you know the different industries that I work in, if I was having a conversation with them around mindfulness and, and meditation 10 years ago, they would have, Walk I guess. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, it's now firmly part of business. Mm. You know, there's a lot of businesses now that are investing heavily mm. uh, in that because it's, you know, the science is there. It literally rewires our brain and we then see the world differently. And I guess fundamentally we're what it does is allow us to remember that we always have a choice. That's the key piece for me through my practice is that ability to understand, hold on, I feel like I'm going, I want to do this, but I have a choice. Mm. Which one am I going to choose? Yeah, beautiful. You've touched on so many wonderful sort of practical ways, I think, to turn up um, and do some of this deep conscious work today. Is there any one piece of advice that you have found most useful with your clients that they can immediately kind of take away and apply um, just to give them some more of that, that gratitude, that presence, that awareness in their life starting now? Look, I think the biggest thing, and, you know, this is a, la- a very layered process and we spend, you know, several months working through it, mm. is for people to be really clear about what they need and to start asking themselves that question because those three beliefs that we talked about before will tell us that we don't really have needs or whatever it is that I do need, I won't get. The biggest breakthrough I see is when people start getting clear about that and asking for it, but then also asking the other person, what is it that you need as well? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we only really get one thing when we ask for what we need and that's clarity, which is what we're all after. And sometimes the answer may be no, and but at least I guess we're clear then. We're not wondering whether it's yes or no or maybe or sort of. So that for me, you know, is recognising the stories that we go into about ourselves and other people, which, you know, lead to an inner world that can be pretty conflicted with lots of big emotions. And I guess it's using those emotions to then think about, well, hold on a second, what do I need here? What instead of me continuing the story of how I'm not going to get it or this person isn't going to do whatever I you know, want, what is it that I need and, and am I courageous enough to ask? 
Mm. I think that word courage is probably the biggest thing that people need on this path because our habits and our programs will always pull us back to our default of the stories. But having the courage to choose something different, ask for what you need. And courage often comes through vulnerability of really observing yourself and how you're showing up and what you truly deeply at your core need. And then, as you said, just asking. I have no problem in asking for what I need or asking for clarification around things or asking for what I'd like. It often blows my mind that people will talk to every single other person around something rather than just going direct to the source and asking or suggesting it. (laughs) As you said, we do. We revert to stories. We have this huge internal dialogue. We go through a whole lot of case study scenarios rather than just going, hang on a minute, why don't I just ask the question and get clarification? Absolutely. It's, you know, for me, it's the single biggest shift that I see in people instead of living in that expectation and assumption, be it in relation, in personal relationships or business relationships. It's, and you know, you see people for me, you know, over the years, I guess the, the people that I regard as being successful and that isn't only in a monetary sense, it's, it's their whole life, I guess. The one common theme is they're not afraid to ask for what they need. It's the one thing I see. It's the thread through everything. They're, they're self-aware and they're willing to ask for what they need and willing to, you know, accept no. Okay, if it's no, then that's okay. Uh, you know, I now need to find that somewhere else uh, or, or, you know, find someone else who's going to support that. Beautiful. Love it. Oh, I'm sure we could talk for hours, but for now I would just love people to obviously be able to discover your work and and interact with you and have that conversation with you. So where's the best place Mm. for people to to come and find you and continue that conversation? Uh, Look, we have, as you mentioned before, we have a website. um, So it's evolutionaryintelligence.com.au. And on there you'll find, you know, some of the work that we do. It's split into, you know, a business section and then a personal section. Um, There's lots of different programs we run. Uh, So if anyone is interested, you know, please just go and have a look and then, you know, you can always drop me a line uh, through the the info email there. Uh, That's probably the easiest way. Yeah. Wonderful. And we'll link to the, in the show notes, which you can find at nataliesisson.com forward slash zero one eight. So we'll pop some more details down there about Andrew's work. Thank you so much for being here. I understand this is your first podcast ever. So thank you for popping your cherry on Untap <laughs> and bringing your wisdom and insights. And thank you, Natalie, so much. I really appreciate it. And thank you um, to everyone who's, who's taken the opportunity to listen. And yeah, it is my first podcast. So um, hopefully the first of many. You did amazing. Yes. 